Welcome to The The Get Get Together. Together. It's our show about the nuts and bolts, the meat and potatoes, the nitty and the gritty of community building. I am your host, Bailey Richardson. Hey, Bailey. I'm a partner at People & Company and co-author of Get Together, How to Build a Community with Your People, which is now available on Amazon. Hey, everybody. I'm Kevin Wynn, also a partner at People & Company, also a co-author of Get Together, now available on Amazon. (laughs) Uh, also a friend of Bailey. Yeah, friend of mine. You also have an author profile on Amazon. I've got an author which, page. Which, if you didn't know, that does exist. We've got these like complimentary photos too. It's like yeah, the same background. Matching, yeah, matching, matchy, you know. matchy. Match up. Moving on. Each episode, we interview everyday people who have built extraordinary communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to thousands more members? Today, we're talking to Bring Wing, the original online fan community master for music stars. The kingmaker of music stars of the 90s, TRL Whisperer. And if you've read our book, you know the bonkers story of how Brie got hired by her idol, Mariah Carey, as a 16-year-old crazy. in 1999. Crazy, crazy. But if you don't know that story, I'm not going to ruin it all for you right now. You'll just have to tune in. But you should know that this is like a one in a billion story. It's one of the best I've ever heard in my life, and you are in for a treat. Because this story is so great. A lot of this episode was just like story hour, where we sit quiet and listen and laugh while Brie shares her history with us. But we didn't just want to talk to Brie about her experience with Mariah Carey. We also talked to her in the episode about how she organized and invested in fan communities over and over and over again successfully because she had a clear strategy and clear insights about how to do that no matter the group. Kev, what stuck out to you about our conversation with Bree? You know, Bree's story is an ode to the power of paying attention to who keeps showing up, um, both with, you know, how Mariah's team saw Bree, super fan, and though they didn't understand what was happening on the internet, they did reach out and, you know, enable this internet kid to help Mariah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get, get a video on TRL and beyond. And also... You know, Brie talks about paying attention to, you know, other Mariah fans. And then as she goes on to build out the fan communities around other artists, the power of, you know, noticing who keeps showing up, noticing the most engaged fans, personal outreach if one stops voting for a single day and understanding kind of that hierarchy of hardcore fans versus lurkers versus the people who are rising up as leaders within the community, really just paying attention to who keeps showing up and the, you know, how those people can really be catalysts and change the direction of a whole group. Groovy. Groovy. Lovey. Lovey. Love it. Lovey. Love <laughs> you too. All right, let's get into it. All right. I'm going to cuss. Holy shit. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, Bree. <laughs> I've been dreaming that you would let me do this interview for seriously like two years now, like ever since I first heard this story. So thank you for giving us our time. We're so stoked to be talking to you today. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a really fun journey with you guys and with the get together book and everything going on with you guys. I'm super excited. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Bree's in our book, which uh, (laughs) y'all can read the story, like spoiler alert if you've already read it. But we're going to jump right into hearing more about your personal story, Bree. We like to say that if you're someone who's organizing a community, you can't fake the funk. Like you have to be passionate about the thing that the community is passionate about. So your story really begins with a personal passion. You were a fan of Mariah Carey. Can you take us back to like 
teenage Brie, like, and just what drew you to Mariah Carey in the first place? Like, tell me about falling in love with her and that passion. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, and then everybody else needs to put themselves in their 12 or 13 year old self, you know, (laughs) like when you're really searching your own identity and searching for Mm. things to express yourself before you knew you know how to do your own expression so you have to put yourself in that teenage mind I'm a 90s kid it was always be my baby so I was a little late in the Mariah game but um, oh that's late in the Mariah game it was late in the Mariah game I I was like 12 you know so it was like around that age for me the song is amazing a but then I'm biracial she speaks very openly about biracial now it's pretty common to see biracial people but growing up in the 90s um Hmm. I think I was one of a handful of biracial kids in, you know, a 4,000 student high school. Mm. So that was something I really connected with. Her lyrics are personal, all of this stuff. So it just became all-consuming for me. (laughs) My six CD changer, you know, was all Mariah. Um, Yes. It really was expressing myself through her songs, Mm. right? Mm. There's Mariah posters on my wall next to the JTT ones. Oh, yeah, Um, JTT. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty typical teenage, you know, idolization of your favorite music artists. One of the interesting things too is that in the 90s you were in that first wave. I mean, I was in it too. I think of people who had fandom like through the internet. So like, can you tell me about that and how that showed up for you? You're a pretty internet savvy person. Yeah, I was lucky that my dad is a computer engineer. He's a software engineer. Mm. Um, So we always had computers around and I had a computer growing up playing games and stuff. Oh, same with me. Yeah, so that's one of the reasons why I was on the internet early. But what really did it, and this is a true story, is every day I remember he would come to dinner and he would just like randomly say something to connect with me. And he would say like, did you know Mariah Carey was born in Long Island, New York? And I was like, how do you know these things? Like every day I was like, where are you getting this information? And this is before the web. He was even on news groups, right? And he's like in this Mariah Carey news group. Oh my gosh. And and I was like, I need to be there. (laughs) I need to be there. So that's actually what started my foray on the internet. And so this is like the mid 90s. So he got me set up and I literally that's all I did on the Internet was like cruise these Mariah Carey news groups to learn (laughs) anything and everything I knew. Two years later or so, AOL would come and all of that. So I, I got into the Web and the Web was relatively small still. So there wasn't a lot of fan sites yet. You know, I have a lot of time on my hands. I'm 14 years old, you know, not a whole lot going on except for soccer. <laughs> um, so like that was like my big to do, you know, so um, so I spent a lot of time on the Internet just reverse engineering things that I wanted to do. So hmm. reverse engineering a fan site. And again, this is as a teenager was my form of expression, right? It's my version of putting posters on the wall. And people always ask me, like, how did you learn how to build websites? I'm like, I don't, I literally just started doing it. I would just Mm. reverse engineer HTML from other websites and tinker around trial and error until I started to actually learn the language. I want to get into the guts of uh, what's going to happen next in your story, (laughs) which I already know about, so I'm cheating. But one of the key points in our book is that community building is really about developing leaders. You Mm -hmm. find people who are genuine, you find people who are qualified to lead the community in a subgroup, and then you like empower those people. And this is what really happened to you. Like, spoiler alert, Mariah Carey pinpointed you out of a crowd of 
thousands, maybe millions of fans to like work with her uh, to build the fan community. And I'm just curious, like, can you tell us the story of how you're just one of all these other fans on the internet reading about her, chatting about her? Like, how did Mariah find you out of that sea of people? Yeah, it was a crazy chain of events. So it's the year I'm going to paint the picture. It's year yes, 1999, please. right? And so <laughs> <laughs> this magical time back then. But just to remind everybody in 99, that was the year of Napster. Mm. Oh, so yeah. the music industry was completely on edge about the internet. They were like, this is this evil thing. I hate the internet. I mean, artists were literally saying, I don't go on it, you know? So it was wow. kind of a tense time. It'd be another two years before Google even came, you know, so just to like set the set You the got time. your internet history like firm. And I'm, I was I'm appreciating deep this. in it. I was deep <laughs> in it. Um, so it's still another two years before 9-11 and it's still another two years in Mariah history before Glitter. So she is, <laughs> just to paint that picture, so she is still the biggest artist in the world. I mean, one can argue she's come back quite a bit now anyway so at the time she was on sony records and they didn't have a website for her so she's you're talking about the biggest artist in the world they had a splash page up for the album rainbow which is that's the one with the singles heartbreaker and thank god i found you so the fans self-organized so there was this message board already because that was the extent of our community technology at the time Um, there was a big message board I forget who owned it originally but it was called the friends of Mariah message board old school fans will remember that and it was pretty strong it was a fan paid for it they took donations things like that it was about 50 or 60,000 members strong which is pretty big in 1999 (laughs) for just Mariah So now I'm 15 years old. In the thick of high school, I'm spending more time on this message board than anything else. I remember like (laughs) staying up to like four in the morning and then rushing to bed if I heard my mom get up or something. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally, I became quote unquote a community leader on there just from being present, to be honest. Sheer Um, time spent. Yes, exactly. Sheer time spent. (laughs) And to your point, the genuineness and authenticity, because I'm actually a huge Mariah fan. And we didn't just talk about Mariah things, right? It was everything. It was just a bunch of teenagers coming together around a common interest, Mariah. And we just talked about everything else. And we had different forums for everything. Little did I know at the time that I was one of the influencers just because I was on there. I helped out. Everyone knew who I was. I was frequent visitor. And I had, you know, a bunch of my online friends there, just like friends I knew through the message boards, which which is now is really commonplace. But then people were like, what? Fast forward a little bit. Um, I had moved to Los Angeles to go to college that year. So I was I, 16 years old, FYI, yeah. <laughs> like kid genius. Keep going. Yeah. So I graduated early. I moved to L.A. So I was on my own in L.A., which was in hindsight terrifying but in the moment mm. was amazing in the moment I was like we I have no money I'm awesome <laughs> you know I didn't know any better honestly my innocence and naivete actually propels this whole story mm. I think if I had been older or more experienced it, none of this would have happened mm. Mm. um so luckily Mariah is a really good person and um did not take advantage of me or anything like that <laughs> so what happened was uh, Heartbreaker was out and this the single was out and the album was about to come out the rainbow album and I remember it was like a November release date 
And again, they only have a splash page with literally just have the album cover and the release date. And we're like dying for more information. So 16 year old Bree is just just shaking my head at the screen at the splash page at home. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, it's still again. But um, (laughs) Sony Records last minute announces she's going to do a three city record store in store signing. So they announced three cities, L.A., Chicago and New York. I'm in Los Angeles, so it was a really big deal because Mariah doesn't tour very much or didn't at the time. And she was coming to the West Coast. Everyone's freaking out. And she was going to go to Tower Records on Sunset um, on a Friday in November and and sign um, CDs. So the message board is blowing up. This was a high activity day, you know, <laughs> people begging their parents, figuring it out, logistics, people driving in from a lot of places. So everybody starts posting on the board, like, which one are you going to? Which one are you going to? So I write, I'll be at the Los Angeles one. And because I'm an influencer, people latched on to that. So a lot of people were looking at me. They were like, oh, my God, Brie, let's meet up when we're there. So it became like a friend meetup, too. Like, I'm going to finally meet a bunch of friends that I've been talking to for a long time. And we're going to meet up before the signing. And so the thread became really big about, you know, Brie going to the L.A. one. And there was a woman that posted that I remember she lived in Brazil or something. And she was begging me on the message board please, Brie, can you give her my letter? I'm never going to meet her. This is my dream come true, this whole thing. And it was this really kind of heart tugging thing. And it was on a public message board. So what was I going to do? Say no to publicly in front of everybody. So I replied like in a 16 year old self, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to meet her, but okay, just send it to me. Because I I felt weird promising something like that when Mm. I didn't really even know what was going to happen. But I posted my email address for her to send me an email. It was carryon327 at AOL.com. <laughs> that oh was my God. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so I logged off of AOL, you know, and um, go on with my day in, in classes and whatnot. About eight hours later, I, I come back to my email and thought I had a virus or somebody hacked into <laughs> me because I had something like five or 6,000 emails, Boom. which is great. I don't think I've ever had more than like 14 emails like up until <laughs> this point in my life. Yeah. So I was freaking out at first because I didn't understand what was going on. AOL like froze downloading it. And what I realized it was my very first lesson in viral marketing, which was when you take an influencer and an on-demand, you know, a hot demand message that I was going to give a letter to Mariah, Remember, it's 10 years still before Twitter gets invented. That spread like wildfire. So while I was at, you know, history class, um, this (laughs) message basically flew around the Internet. So all the fan sites were posting. Oh, my God. Bree said she would give this girl her letter. If you email her and ask her nicely, maybe she'll give Mariah your letter, too. Wow. So I got all these emails that were begging me. They were like, please, I live in, you know, wherever, France and Germany, all over the world. And just like that, you have a Rolodex of emails of all of Mariah's fans. (laughs) Exactly. So... I go on the message board, see everybody freaking out. And my 16-year-old self, I thought if I said no, that literally 5,000 people would come to my house and beat me up if I didn't <laughs> give Mariah their letters. So um, so I post on the message board. I'm like, whoa. And and by the way, it's like three days before the in-store. <laughs> so I go on the message board. I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, there's a lot of you. Okay, you know, no promises. I'll put this together. Let's do it. Let's act. If we're going to do this, if we're going to do, do this, this, let's do it right. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so 
so I turned it quickly into a thing. I turned it around of like, okay, email it to me like this. We'll put it together. We'll say we're making up the rainbow of the world or something like that. I said oh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I end up getting about 10,000 letters emailed to me. It's bonkers. And I sat there. Totally and, bonkers. Yeah, it, it was bonkers. That's so many people. And I sat there and copied and pasted them into Word one by one. <laughs> Holy, <laughs> that must have taken it a long forever. time. Wow, yeah, that Word doc. Forever. That Word doc was no joke. <laughs> and, um, and I used the school computer to print them all out. <laughs> yeah, put your college into a small amount of debt. Exactly. <laughs> Paper debt. <laughs> I know this is I feel like the statute of limitations has passed to like <laughs> LA City College know that I did this but um I printed it out I remember it was the middle of the night the night before the in-store and I was there with my friend and I print out this stack and, and it literally was about I am two inches thick of papers oh and I three hole punch 10 pages at a time oh <laughs> my binder. god and I'm looking at this and I'm telling my friend I, I cannot bring this like now it seems commonplace but at that time I was like I cannot bring this they're gonna think I'm crazy I cannot show up with this many letters nobody's ever <laughs> done this before right you're like it's my chance to meet Mariah might- and I'm gonna look like a cray cray yeah <laughs> hi my name is Bree I wrote uh, these 10,000 messages <laughs> yeah the, uh, exactly. these really I, love you. I love you I was freaking out <laughs> and so my friend was like calm down calm down just you write a letter on top and just explain what happened wow crucial decision crucial decision so I was like okay <laughs> so I wrote a two-page letter since it was my book I figured I could write more than a page yeah, that's <laughs> I right. limited everybody else because you had 30 paper cuts on your Definitely. fingers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote a letter that basically explained this whole thing what I just said there's the message board etc cetera, etc cetera. And signed, Brie, by the way, I'm your biggest fan. I love you so much. You know? Here's my social security <laughs> and number. All my Here's my contact information. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my school schedule. No. <laughs> and that's it. And then I go to the in-store um, with this binder and a three-inch, three-ring binder. And if you look it up, I think there's videos of it on YouTube of the 1999 Tower Records Sunset in-store. They had to shut down Sunset Boulevard. Wow. There's about 10,000 people like flooding into oh the streets. Oh, my God. I mean, there must be a handful of times, if that, that they've ever had to shut down Sunset Boulevard for wow. a Tower Records in-store. Um, so it was a really big deal. I was there all day waiting in line and um, meeting my friends and having a good time. I just didn't think about anything at all. Finally got to meet her later that night for about 30 seconds, if that. (laughs) And then I always say, I'm so glad Mariah doesn't actually remember me from that day because this is my starstruck moment. And for those that know my career, you know, I've gone on to manage a lot of celebrities and and big people I used to lead public figures at Facebook and still to this day only Mariah Carey can get me starstruck and so I'm full on crying full on on 15 year old she's sitting on a raised platform and I give her my 8 by 10 and you puke all over her yeah (laughs) that I wanted her to sign while she's signing my picture I'm flipping the pages in the binder and I'm like I remember speaking very quickly, like all the fans got together and then we all put these letters together. I was talking like that, like flipping all the pages. (laughs) And Mariah's just, you know, very professional, looking very nice. And she signs my thing and then she just holds my hand. So I'll stop. (laughs) I'll stop flipping the pages. And she just says to me, tell all the fans I said, thank you. Okay. I said, okay. And then I took my 8 by 10 and I left and could have died right there, happy in the parking lot. <laughs> like, everything's downhill from there, is what I thought. <laughs> so 
that really was it. Um, I thought that was the end of the journey, that I delivered the letters. 10,000 people weren't going to come beat me up. I'm like, good, you know, and I was innocent, but I knew enough that I didn't think she was going to look at every single gift that was given to her. Right. There's 10,000 people outside. Um, So I just thought, okay, did my part, moved on. A couple days later, it started with a phone message. So I didn't have a cell phone. You needed a credit check back then to have a cell Hmm. phone. You know, side note, when I used to tell this story, the story used to make me sound so cool. Now when I retell the story, it just makes me sound like so old. Like (laughs) back in the day when we didn't have cell phones. (laughs) Whatever, we're on your wavelength and anyone younger than us can't listen to this podcast, okay? (laughs) But um, so I came home one day and there's a message on my machine. And I, I just think it's my mom or something. So I press play thinking no big deal. Lo and behold, it's Mariah freaking Carey. Because <laughs> yeah. I did leave my phone number in there, of course. <laughs> I freaked out. I, I think I hit my head on the ceiling. I jumped so high. And re- I mean, remember, this is my idol. I've idolized since ever. It's like the person that has given me my identity expression, like my first form of self-identity. And she's the biggest star in, biggest the, world star in the world at this time. Yeah, she's the most popular like singer and still remains like one of the most popular singers of all time. And a time when people were not connecting with celebrities in this way. So I freaked out. At the same time, I go on the message board and everybody's the message board is lit on fire, you know, like there's a lot of posts going on. And what we realized was that that website that was just a splash page, (laughs) two links showed up below the album cover and they didn't even name it right. I remember it just said wave one, wave two (laughs) or something like that. They didn't even like name the hyperlinks. Untitled (laughs) underscore. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And they were waves or real audio files, like really like weird audio files. And so, um, you downloaded them and it was Mariah. There was a voice recording of hers. What I think is like she called a voicemail box and you remember used to email you like the wave file, oh, <laughs> like yeah. an old corporate. Then the, that's what I, I think happened. So she left two voicemails on, on her on the website. Page. Yeah. yeah. The first wave file was addressed to me. Hey, it's Mariah. I'm sitting here exhausted after traveling all around the country and I'm getting ready to go to MTV Europe Awards. But I just wanted to say that I got a book from someone named Bree, and I don't want to mispronounce his last name, but he gave it to me at the in-store in L.A. the other day, and it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever gotten in my life, and I just want to thank everyone so much who wrote me in these letters, because I don't really do it to the computer, some of you may know, I'm not really into the internet, because there's some of the negative stuff on there, but... The amount of beautiful, positive energy that I'm feeling from these letters is so inspiring and it really is encouraging. And I really worked hard on this album and I work really hard for my fans. And I just want you all to know, especially everyone who wrote me in these letters, that I am reading them. And then I do appreciate you so much. And I'm sitting up here, yeah, I got a cold. I'm not feeling too well, but this is making me feel much better. And, um, Really, I can't tell you how much I love you, and I appreciate you, and you're keeping me going. So, thank you. Bye. That is a big shout out amongst your peers. Well, if if you thought I was an influencer before, my influencer status <laughs> shot way up. Then, and so the second voicemail was literally just to me to thank me. One last thing, I just really wanted to thank Bree, especially for coming up with this idea. 
thank you for doing this. This is so great, and I'm, it's really lifting my spirits, and I just want to say that I appreciate you guys again so much. I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm tired. Yeah, I haven't had much sleep, in fact, in months, but um, I'm just trying to keep going, and, and I just uh, I want you to know that I'm really, really grateful for the support. Thank you so much. You make everything happen for me. Everything I have is because I have the best fans in the whole world. Wow. Yeah, so that was ridiculous. And so all the fans are freaking out. They're like, oh, my God, she's reading my letter. And she's been in the business long enough that, you know, she's very connected to her community authentically. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was true back then, too. So she was talking about specific letters and she was reading them and that. Wow. Amazing. Mariah said she would call me back. So I didn't go to school or work for the next five days. (laughs) I sat with my phone and I I begged my uncle. I slept next to the phone. Yeah. And I begged my uncle to get me a cell phone, but um, she never called back, but that's okay. She kept leaving voicemails on her website. And those who know Mariah Carey history, she proceeded to do that for like the next 12 years or it's something. It's genius. I feel like people yeah. could keep doing that. It's genius. Yeah. Yeah. Like pre-Twitter, that was like the thing. She was doing it all through the 2000s, mm. way before anybody else was. Mm. So then um, her manager ended up calling me. So it was a woman named Louise McNally at the time. And um, Louise called me and, you know, thank you so much, all these things. And I was just excited to have any kind of connection still right I'm just like some kid living in Long Beach yeah let's remind everyone you're like 16 years old yeah I'm 16 (laughs) in Long Beach pretty poor putting myself through school you know supporting myself and kind of on my own and I don't know just trying to go to school I didn't know these were employable skills at the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, so she started to ask me after she thanked me she started to ask me what I thought were questions that were second nature to me but what I realized they were very important to them. And they were questions like, how do you know 10,000 people? What's a message board? (laughs) How do you connect with these people? You know, there were these basic questions to me. So I was just explaining my interaction on the message board. I thought she was crazy. I thought like, what do you mean? How do you connect with 10,000? Right. Cause I'm just this kid who's, this is my reality. And what started to come out of this was that there was this show on MTV called Total Request Live, TRL. Carson Daly. Yes, Carson Daly years. And this is 1999, so it was the height of TRL. And at the time, if you got your music video on TRL, you drove record sales. So it still drove sales. A couple hundred thousand records would get sold. So it was a big deal to get on the um, countdown. And they were telling me that they could not get Mariah on the countdown with Heartbreaker. And I remember, you know, I'm embellishing the story a little, but they were like, Mariah's a legend and we can't get get her on the countdown because it's filled with these no names, Britney Spears, <laughs> Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Christina Aguilera. That was the year all those bands came out, who, by the way, all did have websites and message boards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they started to ask and they passed me around. I, t- I remember I talked to a guy at Sony Records. His name was Gary Fisher. I, I only remember that because, spoiler alert, much later in my career when I did actually become a record executive, I remember calling Gary and saying, like, hey, remember me? Guess what? I'm a director at Warner Brothers now. <laughs> he was like, oh my God. Um, yeah. So Gary was the head of video promotion, which is a role that does not even exist anymore because mm. they did not have internet marketing um, departments yet. And he, really nice guy, but he was like, can you get this video on TRL? Can you get 10,000 people to do something and vote for this video on TRL? Me being like, 
not knowing any better than to be confident in myself, just said like, yeah, why not? But at your <laughs> maximum influencer appeal moment, yeah. like, everyone wants to talk to Brie. Yeah, exactly. And to me, I, I really thought it would be easy. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Every We all want her on TRL. All the fans want her on. Let's just do it. They just didn't have a coordinated message or a coordinated place at the time. So Or a presence. Like you have a presence on the platform. You have like an authentic relationships with all these people too, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. These are my friends. Yeah, you know the the network, you know, like who's a part of it, like you had all that knowledge. Yeah, and at the time, I didn't know it was marketing or anything. You know, in hindsight, later, I would extract those lessons. But at the time, I was just following my passion, doing what I thought was supporting a person I loved, you know, Mariah, I only wanted good things for her. And it was fun and exciting. I get to do it with my quote unquote friends, you know. So I said, let's do this. And I still got to keep that connection, you know, with the team, with Mariah's team. So they literally handed over the keys to the website and just was like, do what you need to do. We, we don't know. Like, go. Wow. <laughs> now, I remember here's, like explaining something. things. Here's the GeoCities login. Just get in yeah, there. Yeah. I remember <laughs> explaining things and they were like, I don't know. Just go wow. for it. <laughs> it's an act of trust though, right? Like, it's pretty amazing. Like when you think about how protected these public figures are now, as far as I yeah. can tell, you know, like she's basically Beyonce and Beyonce, there's like 300 layers between you and Beyonce. And like to be able to do anything that touches her image or like anything is like, so you couldn't just bomb in and do that. So I think yeah. it's pretty remarkable that they were like, yo, 16 year old, do this, like go well, for it. Well, it also, and it was a double-edged sword because it also showed you how little they valued, yeah. you know, the mm. reach of the internet. Yeah. They didn't understand the power. Yeah. But they did. And I remember they were like, tell us what you need. And I remember stressing and sweating for a week over asking for 100 autographs. So I was like, <laughs> 100 autographs. And I, I was like <laughs> having panic attacks about asking Aww. about it. And then I <laughs> and then I asked and like literally 12 hours later, there was a FedEx overnight of like freshly signed Oh my <laughs> God, amazing. I could tell because being the hardcore fan I was, I saw that the marker bleed was on the other side <laughs> So she was super fresh. Sorry, I Aww. remember this very clearly. <laughs> went through the went through yeah. the photo or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so you know, in summary, they gave me basically two goals: like one, get the video on TRL, and then two, how many people does it take to get the video on TRL? They have no hmm. idea. They're like, hmm. "Is it a thousand? Is it fifty thousand? Do you have an idea?" So I started with those two questions, those two goals. So I said, "Okay, I got to get people to vote, and I have to count them." So I built a login area um, where you logged in um, so I could count you. You built like a pathway that people had to go through. Yeah, like a Mariah Carey portal. And then there was also a phone number. And so I had a place where you could log phone calls to, which just on our system at the time. But then I thought, okay, well, why would you log into the portal before Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just going to MTV? So that's where the autographs came into play. And I built like a pyramid system, basically a one through 10 prize system that was like, if you vote the most, you get 10 autographs. If you second most, you get a T-shirt, third most and so on and so forth. Um, and I just bring that up because that became the bread and butter of my TRL king making for like the next 10 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, I basically became, spoiler alert, I became the person you called to get on TRL um, in the music industry that that made my career in the industry. Yeah, but just to go a little deeper into that, yeah. you know, the first time we talked about this, again, just we keep setting the stage about the time and yeah. the era. 
Like mm-hmm. today, everyone has such incredible access to celebrities. Like you log into your phone, you open Twitter, you open Instagram, you can know what Mariah Carey did in the last like three hours. Right. At the time, access was so difficult. And you're able to understand as a 16-year-old fan what people want, like what, what yeah. motivates people. And you're able to kind of be that bridge between Mariah and her team and metering out access in some ways. Like I know that there were signatures, but there are other forms of acknowledgement, right? Of, of giving people who like did something for Mariah kind of acknowledgement in return to feel seen, to feel appreciated. Absolutely. And it's still the framework of how I would approach community building today. It just different things excite the fans now, because to your point, access is everywhere now. Um, so access may not be the thing anymore. It, But that doesn't mean there's not something that drives the fandom. It just means it's something else. Um, maybe it's personal. Maybe it's a personalized thing. Maybe I, I don't know, you know, but the framework has stayed the same. And that, And that's why even when I said that this became the cornerstone of my career for the next 10 years, I adjusted for each artist, mm-hmm. you know, other other artists I worked for were like Michelle Branch and Ashley Tisdale and My Chemical Romance, Linkin Park, people like that. So obviously, like the plan I did for Linkin Park was not the same as Mariah, but it was the same. Actually, the framework was actually exactly the same. The answers were just different. The answers mm-hmm. to the questions about what drove the fans. But I used message boards and this exact framework for 10 years. The exact framework, meaning there's a space where the fans spend their time. Correct. And you build sort of like a bridge between the people who are spending their time on a fan board and a way for them to help push the career forward of the artists that they loved. And you kind of created that loop of like holistic reciprocal acknowledgement. So like if someone did a lot of work to help the artist, the artist acknowledged the fan. Is that kind of the framework or is there better ways to break it down? No, that's exactly the framework, except there's another piece to it that we missed and the the next piece of it is actually the hierarchy of the Hmm. fandom which actually still exists today and and again this is not just entertainment related this is really everyone and the hierarchy is the subject that everyone is communing around so in this case Mariah Carey but it could be whatever it could be art or whatever the community is about the god in human form yes exactly (laughs) and then And then there's like a second layer, which typically are like the moderators or the people everyone knows in there. And there's a third layer, like the the hardcore fans and so on and so forth. And that actually was the key. I I thought about communities in that way even then because I was so aware I was, you know, at a certain point in the hierarchy. But later on, I would use the framework of am I serving each of these levels of fandoms? Not everybody, you Mm. know, is living and breathing Mariah like I am, but they still consider themselves a fan. Don't discount that. They have different, like we just said, um, you know, what does the community want? Even each of these layers is a little bit different. Mm. And what I saw is when you feed each of those layers the right way, your message, quote unquote, your marketing message or whatever it is, doesn't get lost in a vacuum. Um, so really feeding that hierarchy was really important and still is, again, that is the bread and butter of how mm. I've built communities even today. So you're saying it's, it's understanding those segments or those sub-communities within a community Correct. where those, there are going to be leaders, there are going to be potentially more hardcore fans than maybe more like 
in and out fans and if you come with one message around like hey this is what we would love you to do or what we need or what's happening right now um, it's not specific enough it doesn't like feed these different parts of the ecosystem but if you were more specific you can accomplish more together exactly and when i say the message gets lost in a vacuum it means it just goes away it just falls with a thud to the bottom Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really resonate with any of those layers so when you're talking about Regular marketing, maybe you could do that, you know, a big branded marketing. But when you're talking about community building and community marketing, understanding that hierarchy or the different segments is crucial. Um, And it's the same in every community. It's just um, there's always the everyday chatters. There's the lurkers, but that they're really hardcore. You know, there's different Mm -hmm. segments. What's different is that their needs may be different in every community, right? If it's an art community or a music community or whatever it is, it's, you know, they might want tickets to a museum or whatever it is. And that's up to you, the marketer, to decide what are the needs of each of these segments so that my message doesn't fall flat. How did you realize that first? Was there a moment when you delivered the wrong kind of message or the wrong connective tissue thread? Mm -hmm. Like when was like the moment when you realized these groups are so different and I really have to think about them as an organizer in a different way? Not till later when I was working professionally after Mariah. With Mariah, it was second nature because I was such a big fan, right? So I stayed true to those two goals get the video on TRL, count the people. Mm. And I stress that because still to this day, when I meet with people about like, what are your goals? They still can't even clearly state that. And then you get lost and then you're doomed to fail even from the get go. You need to have clear goals, even if it's phased, even if phase one is just build the community, you know, fine, you know, but you have to have a goal. So I stay true to that because that was my only true North by myself in Long Beach, you know, mm. <laughs> and, mm. and then two, really simple. I was like, I'm the hugest Mariah fan. What do I want to see? Yep. So that made it quote unquote easy for me in the Mariah one. To imagine the motivations because you innately had them. Correct. Later when I did this, you know, for real professionally and even now, I immerse myself in whatever it is I'm working on. People always argue with me too. Well, like, well, that's Mariah Carey, the biggest artist in the world. Well, I'll tell you, like, I'm a consultant now, right? And um, I'm working on a a big project for an insurance company. So I'm like deep in insurance land right now because <laughs> I don't know how to. That's just my process. I'm like, I don't know how to deliver the right message to the community unless I understand the community. So I'm like, what do I want to see? What's missing? What's not? You know. So again, it's the same template. It's just different needs, right? Um, for the community. So with Mariah, th- that's what I, I say to my true north of the goals. And then I, I used myself. I was like, okay, what would I want to see? And that typically resonated pretty well. Later, I naturally focused on the people who were the most active voters. And that naturally led to me focusing on the upper end of the hierarchy, meaning the most active people, the people Mm. that are logging in every day. This is it's so funny because uh, in our book, we have a section of a few stories that talks about how people who really care are more powerful than people who don't. Yeah. And sometimes one person can who really cares, who's just a member of the community, can change the course of an entire group. And you're an example in that. (laughs) That's like the point we're making is that like one person who is a 10 out of 10 or, you know, 15 out of 10 passion 
can do so much to contribute to the the directionality of the group. But if you have a bunch of people who are like two out of 10, right? Like they count as the same number of people as you, Brie, as like a total number (laughs) of fans. But what you're doing in terms of adding value is so much more. Like those folks are so valuable. Absolutely. And like I said, I'm immersing myself in the community even today, you know, is the key because if I don't believe the message that I'm sending out there, how the hell is anybody else supposed to? Right. Mm -hmm. So I really it's everybody has every marketer has their own process, but that's really my process. I like to like really immerse myself in whatever it is. So what close out this the TRL yes. story? What happened? Oh, you, yeah. you, you, so, you built you built the portal. So we built the portal. So we launched, right? And so made a big deal. So I had to, you know, let people know this was happening. Like, guys, we have to do this. This is coming. So every day, you know, because I didn't build the website overnight, I just started um being really open with everybody on the message board what I was doing. Like I'm building the site. Okay, I'm doing this. I need help with this. And I had a team of like 10 fans that just reach out to me and said I could help and they were posting news stories because I said all these fan sites suck because they never get updated (laughs) you know (laughs) we got to keep it updated so I had this like team of 10 fans that were like constantly updating the website with random create new leaders creating leaders (laughs) love it yeah and so we had the whole team and it was 24 seven being updated all around the world. So that was really cool. And everybody was just excited to be part of the project or the people we picked, you know, were usually um, hand raisers that wanted to be part of it. We focused on a Friday because that gave us two extra days to vote on a TRL. So we called it attack TRL. And I just bring that up because again, I used that for the next 10 years. <laughs> um, it worked for 10 years. Um, and then, um, so you could accumulate more votes over the weekend. So correct. that by Monday, she'd then get on TRL. Correct. We had more time to vote. Um, instead of 24 hours. So you would kind of focus on like, okay, Friday is our day for voting. Our shared activity is Attack Friday. This is the day we're doing Correct. it every week. And it made it more of an event, you know, and like a build up instead of just like vote randomly every day. Yep. So we made this big deal. We made all these Attack TRL banners, I remember. And they were like, Attack TRL Friday. <laughs> and then like all weekend, people were like, Attack. And then <laughs> I had that counter going and it was just like, blah, 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 like crazy. Wow. So low Lo and behold, Monday morning, it debuted on TRL and everybody freaked out. And I got messages on my now cell phone that I had <laughs> um, while, while I was in class. Because remember, I'm still in, a freshman in college, a 16-year-old freshman. And um, I remember getting out of class. It aired you know, in New York first. So um, I got out of my 9 a.m. class and there was five messages on there from Rise Manager and the label and everybody saying, oh, my God, it debuted. So they freaked out. And after that, they were like, whatever Brie needs, give her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because there's this whole team of record executives at Sony Music that could not do this. So we just kept focusing on TRL and kept doing it. Um, now, this is like about a month has passed. And I haven't talked to Mariah again at all, just through her manager. And messages were going up on the website. So every once in a while, she would say, like, you know, mention my name or, any, or something. But that was it. So just to close this story out, because then you got to end with the big Mariah, ta-da, is that <laughs> then her manager called me and said, uh, the Billboard Music Awards are coming up. So they used to be in December then in Vegas. Mariah's getting Artist of the Decade with Michael Jackson. So male and female Artist of the Decade. 
Mariah wants you to come to Vegas and be wow. her date to the Billboard Awards. Oh so my God. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> oh, you didn't know this part of the story? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know you were on a date. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was her oh guest. Oh my and God. So they That's sent amazing. me tickets. It was a couple days before and it was like on a Wednesday and I'm like, I guess I'm not going to school. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I didn't tell my mom at the time. <laughs> so, oh my God. I can't believe you're not like a Disney movie, basically. Oh my gosh. I think, well, now, I think the time has passed. Now I should have made it a Disney movie 10 years ago. But now it just is like the land before cell phones. You know? <laughs> but um, so I went to the Billboard Awards. And then actually, crazier part of the story is they called me the day before the Billboard Awards. And they said they had 100 tickets to the Billboard Awards because they wanted fans there when she got her um, award and they wanted to do this whole thing. You can watch it on YouTube um, and see when she gets her award. So they were like, we don't know what to do with these. So Mariah said to give them to you. Oh, my (laughs) God. Because you know 100 fans. Wow. So all of a sudden I had 100 tickets, too. So my influencer status continues to rise. (laughs) Major jealousy starts to rise in there god that's wild i just went to the message board and was like who wants to go to vegas on wednesday wow (laughs) so we go to vegas on wednesday they had a big party bus waiting for us they had the limo with her we go watch her get our award and then that finally was the next time i got to meet her in her mind was the first time which which i don't take personally she met ten thousand people the day (laughs) that i met her i was glad because i was much chiller and cooler like i was the crying was out of my system by then (laughs) we were waiting all night in the backstage area because she had to do press you know all these things and so it was two or three in the morning and we're tired everybody's sitting down and i remember but again this might just be my memory warping the double doors like flying open <laughs> and her coming in but i don't know if you've ever been in a room with a big celebrity you know the energy just comes mm. really up when they have that aura around them mm. so the energy in the room just like <gasps> came up and she comes in and it's buzzing and i'm somewhere in the back and she's just like okay where's Bree? oh my god <laughs> i'm like 16 years old right so i'm like hello i'm over here <laughs> but she comes over gives me a hug she's like thank you so much for everything and then we had a little exchange i, I was made a joke or something and then we just kind of clicked by then because i think it was the moment when she realized this is just a genuine excited young kid you know not and super capable too like yeah not somebody it. that she has to quote unquote worry about you know and and typically mariah's very close with her fans those fans who are in her community know that like she has a very special relationship with her community obviously and so we just kind of clicked then and had a normal conversation and then she went around and signed autographs for everybody and signed autographs for me and took pictures she spent you know a lot of time with us so it was really cool and the rest was kind of history so I kept doing that for a little while and getting her videos on TRL until Mariah Carey history land is then glitter came out and 9-11 and some other things But by then, I had made enough noise in the music industry because it was out of place that Mariah was on the countdown. It was in the middle of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys that a rep for NSYNC called me and was like, are you the one doing this Mariah stuff? I'm like, yeah. And they, they had a digital marketing company. Are you the kingmaker? Yeah, they, they, and they were big, but Bye 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 wasn't out yet. So they weren't like so huge yet. They were in the studio recording Bye Bye Bye. And so that was the next step in my 
careers that I went to work for NSYNC. Oh, my in the God. Biggest, 17 Whoa. years old, the biggest year in their history. I think I've seen them live 32 times oh with backstage passes and tickets. It was awesome. It's just like I was yeah. totally on the receiving end of all this. Like, yeah, right. I was just like, you were the puppet master. And I was you got all like, my marketing yeah, messages. <laughs> like secondary wave. Which video was the heartbreaker video? Is that the fight in the movie Give theater? Me a love. Is that the one? Yes. Give me a with Jay Z. I thought yeah. I remember seeing that premiere, like love. watching that TRL. Oh yeah, so I think I saw like... that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were in it. For this, this, everyone's like who's listening to this right now is like all probably exactly our age, just being like, oh, I yeah. know. Okay, good. go back to the nineties. Remember, remember when you needed a credit check for cell phones. <laughs> So you went on to work with a number of artists around developing these fan communities and helping things happen, such as like get on TRL. How did you approach that strategically and what, um, you know, what really held true and didn't hold true? Because I think it's one thing to, as you said, like do stuff from reflex as a fan and then have to transport it to perhaps other fan communities that you're not immediately a part of. Right. Well, I'll talk a little bit about Michelle Branch. Um, because Michelle Branch was the first artist I worked with that we started from scratch. So she was still in the studio. Nobody knew who she was. She's my age. <laughs> she's I think she's a year younger than me. So we're the same age. By then, I was working at Maverick Records, so which doesn't exist anymore. But it was Madonna's label at the time. Now it's folded into Warner Brothers Records. And I got lucky. I had an amazing mentor and boss. His name is Jeremy Welt. Um, I still know him very well. He's, you know, gone on to do amazing things. And so it was just me and him. He was the first head of new media, quote unquote, was what they called it in the music industry, new media. Um, <laughs> so he's the first head of new I media. I think there's a new media now, too. It's I know. Like, oh so stuff we don't understand, we'll throw yes, it under Yes, that's media. what it was. It was like the catch-all miscellaneous bucket of things the uh, execs didn't understand. I was in a, media, in a meeting once and someone said rich media. And I was like, the fuck is that? Oh, it's like no. anything with like videos is like rich I media. Know. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I know because later when I went to Warner Brothers New Media also we were doing like merch too I mean we're doing everything love merch merch so it was just Jeremy and I so I was really lucky to kind of have this seasoned guy though he's pretty young at the time too I thought he was like this big grown up I think it was in his late 20s at the time (laughs) and I was 18 years old when I got hired at Maverick I mean Jeremy hired me and Michelle was our first artist so met her when she was in the studio recording the label told us like we think she's awesome she has something you know you should meet her figure it out so just met her in the studio while she's recording her first hits which were like everywhere and all you wanted makes me want to sing every time you say one of these songs it's yeah. i God, know I'm it's such a back. good song though <laughs> well I'm gonna go listen to game of love is that the one with the santana oh yeah with santana yeah, yeah that was later oh, after she already yeah. became famous <laughs> yeah but um So we started literally while she was in the studio. And Jeremy and I talked a lot about that. We were like, we have to start early because typically a music marketing timeline started six weeks before the CD came out. And we were like, no way, that's not enough time to build a community. We were eight months, 10 months before the record came out. It sounds straightforward now, but our bosses were like, what? Why, why do you mm-hmm. need to do this? I'm like, no, we need to start now. We can take pictures of her in the studio, all this stuff. So it was a big fight, I remember, to like start that early. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of it was getting Michelle on board. So this is also a key to my success is just being able to explain what I'm going to do with the creative, with the 
quote unquote God, as you say, right? God in human form. Yep. Yes, God in human form <laughs> and, and get them to trust me or trust the process and trust also to be open and share and like all these things. And also for me to learn about them, like I said, I have to immerse myself mm. um, so I can authentically be a fan. And I definitely was a fan of Michelle's as I got to know her and her music. So that's what we started. We started a message board. And then she actually pitched us an idea. She called it Play It Forward, a twist on Pay It Forward. And she was talking about, you know, what if that was our message to these fans? And again, I'm going to paint a picture and date myself again. But there were no girls with guitars at the time in the music industry, not in pop, at least. And so it was a big deal that she played guitar. She was kind of the rocker pop chick, which was a totally new look, it'd be another two years before Avril Lavigne came out. Hmm. Um, So Michelle really paved the way. And I don't think she gets enough credit for that in music industry history. Because it was a grind for her. She was not an overnight success. It took us about a year of Hmm. grinding before she quote unquote broke, which was like before we really were like she made it. And so we we started with a message board. She wrote us a first paragraph. So it was cool that she was in it. Remember, she's about my age. So we were kind of on the same wavelength. And she wrote a paragraph, which I could probably find on the internet somewhere, about Play It Forward, about what it meant to her, about sharing music, things like that. And that gave me enough as a marketer to then build upon her message. Because again, I want to be authentic, right? And be an authentic carrier of the God and human forms Hmm. message. (laughs) That's what we started building around Girls With Guitars and this idea of playing music forward. And and that was kind of her vibe, too, which was like she was very supportive of other artists. She met she always wanted to mm. recommend other artists, things like that. So we just took that and threw fire on that and like made that our themes of our community. And that's how we attracted our first quote unquote fans was typically fans of these other artists that she liked mm. and she would talk about. And then me and Jeremy would be on the message boards and we actually made ourselves part of the quote unquote hierarchy. So like we were the day to day moderators, the like channels to Michelle's, if you will, um, so that we could be on every day because Michelle would only drop in once a month because she's busy recording an album and doing all the other things she has to do. And that's how we built the first fans. As we ramped up to TRL, everything was still around TRL. Um, as we ramped up to it, we made a portal. We did all the same things um, and called it Play It Forward, which was the first time we were able to name a community like that. Like mm-hmm. Mariah has her lamely, right? But like Michelle's was Play It Forward. And it was the same thing. I could count you when you logged in, doing different activities. I was at Maverick now, so we had a little bit of money to actually hire an engineer. So <laughs> you, could, you got points for doing other things. So you got these points, basically. And there was a time where we literally printed out like a list of all the community members with their points every day mm-hmm. so there were these and we taped all the papers together so it'd be like a, a big line of 10 papers like a chart and tape it to the wall every day and then I would chart lit with a marker uh, in Jeremy's wall like okay Nicole logged in three days in a week and then she didn't log in this day and she's not voting. What's going on? Is she Retention. Okay? <laughs> like, Where'd she go? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And, or I could see somebody climbing or, you know, now I have Excel mm. and can actually do this, but we were doing it with markers then. <laughs> and, um, wow. And I got to know the community that way. And I personally reached out to everybody, the top 200 people, and got to know them. Mm. And actually, I used the name Nicole because Nicole's actually one of my best friends to this day. <laughs> she actually went to the world 
World Cup with me went to France. And oh, my God. my best friend. So <laughs> that's how genuine, like, even my job was, you know, in the community. That's how we did it. So the hierarchy was really important to that, too, and, and understanding what people needed. The difference was the time period. So with Mariah, you know, it happened really fast within a month or two because she already had all this she had momentum, you know, fame. Hand yeah, raisers, yeah. Exactly. So it just happened fast. It's the same with Michelle Branch. It's just on a longer timeline. So it took like six to eight months. And again, if you gave me like toilet paper to market tomorrow, <laughs> I would follow the same framework. It just might the the time might be different. And, and the skill um, in your experience comes from identifying, am I on the right timeline? Is this right? Is this mm. the appropriate time? It's okay. It's, if it's taking this long, it's supposed to whatever it is. And I think sometimes people might freak out if they're like, it's not happening as fast as Mariah Carey, you know, or it's never going to happen. I'm like, no, it will. You just kind of have to look for the signs. Are things sparking? And you guys use, you know, that metaphor a lot. And we had enough sparks happening. It was just kind of slow and Hmm. steady, consistent, Hmm. you Hmm. know. Is there any time when you feel like you've tried to cultivate this kind of enthusiasm and it hasn't worked and why do you think it didn't work? Are there any factors that would keep you from like taking a job or like signing up for uh, kind of doing this work for a type of celebrity or a type of yeah. product? Like what, what does it need to have in order for this strategy to work? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, it's the product has to be good. So in this case, the music or whatever it is. And I think sometimes people are like, if you just do a lot of marketing on it, it'll be good. But sometimes the product itself is not great and mm-hmm. you just have to take the sign. So I, I won't mention the name, but um, there was an artist I worked on at Warner Brothers as well. We thought it was good, but um, and we were doing all this stuff and we just could not get the momentum. But in old school entertainment industry days, I was getting yelled at a lot of meetings about like, why aren't you getting traction? You know, and I remember being really frustrated and telling my boss, Jeremy, um, Jeremy, I like, I just don't think the music is there. Like people are just not responding to the mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. And we're that's the signal we're getting, no matter how many funny videos we do or whatever we were doing. That's the response we're getting is that the song's not that exciting. Mm-hmm. At a record label that that's not they wouldn't accept that answer. But if I was running my own record label, I would, which I think they do better at now is try to get an initial feeling, you know, of like, does this even get response before we go after it? But yeah, so at the end of the day, I wouldn't take a job if like, I just didn't believe in the product. And, And I've taken jobs where I've believed in the product, and it just didn't hit, you know, and it sucks. But at least I gave it my all and we tried, you know, with something I believed in. Yeah. Because it's really hard to market something that you don't actually believe in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I, I definitely have a lot of experiences like that. Yeah. My, Kai, our other business partner, says you can't grow a shitty product. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's like no matter how much marketing I do for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what, what advice do you have? And I understand that we're joking about how times have changed. But, you know, based on your experience, seeing communities form, helping communities form around creators and also products like what is your advice to someone perhaps a creator who is like eager to develop a community and not just like an audience or a general fan base but truly you know a community around you know their work and what they care about yeah that's a great question I would say two things one I think 
you have to be really clear on your goal for the community. Like the goal can't just be, I want to build a community to build a community, you know, for community's sake. Um, because you'll get lost in your direction. The community members will get lost. They're like, why am I here? What is this for? So it's important to really say, why do you want this? Even if it's a business goal, even if it's so I can promote my book or whatever it is, you don't have to share it. You just have to know it. You need a true north for it. And by the way, the goal might not be a business goal. The goal might just be, I want a place where I can share these deeper, you know, thoughts or whatever it is. But it needs to be articulated well enough that you can say it to somebody else, but that more importantly, you can repeat it to yourself over and over and over because you will get lost in the noise Mm. and you need that true north. That's how every marketing campaign including community building campaign falls off the tracks is when you lose sight of a goal. The goal can change, but you know, I I like to phase things out like phase one goal, phase two goal. And then the second thing is know your messages. Because again, if if you're not clear to yourself, how the hell is anybody else going to (laughs) understand? So again, it can change and adjust, but start with something like your message might be, I love, you know, animal rescue and I love whatever it is. Mm. Um, But be clear to yourself so that it forms a thread in the message of everyday community interaction. Like, does this fit into that thread or not? If it doesn't, should it be long here? Or do I need to add a new thread? You Mm. know, you can ask these questions. Again, these are fundamental building blocks of community building and marketing. And that's where I see most marketers fail is when they don't do these like building blocks and stick to kind of these pieces. Yeah, it sounds like it's um, in kind of like our terminology, we always make people write out a who and why. It's like who is in this community and why is the community coming together? And that helps you design all the logistical things like how or what or when or but if you don't have that guiding light you know we talk to community organizers all the time that feel like they could do tons of different things like right but the guiding light helps you say no in some senses and sometimes it's uncomfortable for people to go through that process or they're like why am I doing this or this is hard or whatever um but that's why because it's your true north Mm. (laughs) it's like you have to go through it even if it feels like a silly exercise to you yeah it has to I've just seen it communities and marketing fail so many times from people not doing that yeah the last thing I want to talk about is just that um I I mentioned this to you Brie but uh about like two months ago I was walking down the street in Tribeca here in New York and all these flash bulbs like start firing off in front of me and I'm like who what the what what, what's going on like is Barack Obama here and I turn to my left look through the hallway and Mariah Carey just like happens to walk right (laughs) like inches away from me (laughs) and was it like a day after get together released or something or before it was like literally the book we were filming the trailer I think actually for the book and you're like to me a very significant story in the book Mariah Carey is a significant story in the book and I look to my left and she's standing within feet of me, glasses on, like trying to get into the limo. And I'm just feeling really like chuffed and just turned to her and I'm like, Mariah, what's up? I was like, I just released a book and Brie Nguyen's story is in it. And she's like at first not really paying me, you know, any mind. And she walks past me. And when I say your name, she turns over her shoulder it's like the world stops for a second. She looks me in the eyes and says, I love Brie. And then gets in the car and keeps going. And I just want to ask you, like, I mean, what a crazy story. Like, what a crazy experience. Like, 
when you look back on it now, when you look back on this trajectory and, and everything that happened, like, what does it mean to you? What does it feel like for you? Like, yeah, yeah. A few things. One, definitely being genuine. And these are now my personal life philosophies. But Mm. when I look back on that time, I really was just this genuine, overexcited little kid. I didn't know any Mm. better to be anything else. So I try to be true to that. And I think, you know, you guys, you know, know me pretty well, too. I'm a pretty genuine, open person. And over time, you know, I've noticed that's usually what people connect with anyway. And, you know, I I work with celebrities now and I work in partnerships. Typically, all those relationships are pretty genuine. I just don't know how to be anything else. So I carry that on in my philosophy, too. I'm so freaking lucky that I met my hero and she exceeded my expectations. She's a great person, you know, no matter what anybody wants to say about her. She's a really good person and she definitely loves her fans. That is genuine and that connection. And I mean, her whole life is her career. And so she genuinely has that connection with her fans. You know, you're talking about a 30 year career now. Not that many people can say that. We'll see if Taylor Swift is still around in 20 years, you know? Oh, zing. Sorry. (laughs) 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 Heat. Heat. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And then... (laughs) But um, Mariah helped me quite a bit that when I went years later, I went to go work at Facebook and she helped me at Facebook quite a bit doing a lot with Instagram and, and Facebook Live. And so it's just funny when things come full circle. You know, I mentioned some of those names where like later when I became an executive at Warner Brothers, I called some of those people um, that I worked with when I was a teenager who I remember being very nice to me because I remember getting made fun of a lot when I was a teenager, you know, crazy Mariah girl or like mm. you're the internet girl or whatever. Crazy to think like what happens in 10 years, like where the people you're going to run into, you know, everything comes full circle. Mm. I think that's how Mariah lives her life. She's genuinely a pretty good person. But um, that's how I like to live my life, too. You know, you just never know with people be kind and especially in in your career, you know, that intern's going to be your boss one day. Totally. Jeremy used to say that to me all that he was the vice president at the time. He used to always say, like, I'm going to be working for you one day. Um, and th- now we're really good friends and, you know, all this stuff. So um, that's a big lesson, too. You just never know what's going to yeah. come around or who's going to come around. Right? Yeah. And I think in yeah. serving a community, like, you know, there's a lot of times when because I've been like, an orchestrator of the community, you might start to think like, just who's this really passionate person out there in the crowd? Right. But those people, you have no idea who they are or like what their life's going to be like or what they're like got behind their curtain, you know? And yeah. it's one of the fun things is like to bump into people who are just so many different lives and can bring you and vice versa so much. I feel like sometimes people get scared of meeting really passionate people Mm. they're always you know they're kind of judgy or like what is it I know I was judged you know for just being a Mariah Carey for the teenager a Mariah Carey fan right which Mm. I think is pretty normal um because like think about you know every teenager that had a favorite band as I get older I see it more and more with you know older people like we forget what it was like Mm. to be a teenager and it's something I really don't want to forget to understand not just kids, but every walk of life, like this is a normal, it's a form of expression. These are stages you go through in life. Everybody goes through and to like really empathize and like put yourself in that shoes. Like everybody just has different outlets and different forms of expression and trying to understand that so you can work with that and and foster these positive things. More than that, honestly, I feel like we get to meet a lot of people who are these people who are super into something 
They're yeah. so happy. Like they're such happy yeah. people. <laughs> you know, they wake up in the morning like excited to go somewhere or to learn something or to do something. And there's like this self-initiated energy that like isn't about money, isn't about fame. It's just like they have a passion point. And like the my favorite thing about doing this work is to be near people like that. Like totally. they're just you the probably happiest feed off the people. Energy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And like, God, I would love to love things that mm, much, you yeah. know, or as much as I love Mariah, <laughs> I love all the things. Um, yeah, that's it's in, to me is incredible. And if you're going to be a good community builder or even community marketer, you have to immerse yourself and like understand that. Awesome. It's a great spot yeah. to end. Sweet, Brie. Thank, thank you so much. So I know. We appreciate you. All right. We'll talk to you soon. If you want to connect with Brie, you can find her on Twitter at B-R-E-E-N-G-U-Y-E-N. What up? At Brie Nguyen. Hey, Bailey, who is your Mar- Mariah Carey? Mm, Either grown up or now, you know? God. Who is... I, well, I don't know if I just had one. I did really like NSYNC, but uh, I specifically remember being in the back of my parents' hoopty van, driving up to Tahoe on a long drive, mm-hmm. and cutting out photos of Leonardo DiCaprio from Teen Bop magazine. The yeah. cutting out, the cutting out photos. That's like yeah, that's, that's the next level. Like I made a collage a on like poster board of his yeah. face. Um, <laughs> what about you? I don't think I had someone or something that I was such an extensive fan of i don't think so i mean i listen to a lot of jamiroquai so maybe oh, uh, that would really? be that would be pretty special yeah my brother had this way of introducing me to music of many types his it was like i just remember seeing his albums it was like you know crazy sexy cool yeah. jamiroquai daft punk spice world it was this wonderful mix that yeah. I think showed me that, yeah, you can like any music you want, Kev. Yeah. But yeah, I'd be pretty psyched to like see Jamiroquai or Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He just, you know, 500 Days yeah. of Summer just has a special. Love him. Did, you know, did some things for me at a certain point in life. <laughs> yeah. I, I also just to throw in the pot, uh, freaking TLC. TLC was a big deal for me. TLC. No doubt was a big deal for me, too. TLC. Okay, God, this, this one go goes out to Chile. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you can find out more about us at our website, peopleand.company. So dot company, not com. Also, our book, Get Together, is on Amazon. Check it out, How to Build a Community with Your People. Um, you can also find the link at gettogetherbook.com. It's full of stories and learnings. Just like this one, including Bree's story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, check it out. Um, we would love you to let us know what you think. And last thing, if you like this podcast, if you enjoyed it, please review it or click subscribe. It helps us show up in the podcast store for more people and we notice it. Yes. Attack podcast review. Attack podcast Attack, attack Apple. <laughs> attack, attack Apple podcast. Okay. All right. Later, y'all. See you next time. Bye.